it all off if we forgot that I fell as the years and all. I don't know how this song goes. And all that's in we forgot all lang zine. I know it's zine. I said zine. And yeah. because that was the thing I got the most wrong in, the, in that whole rendition. It's mm-hmm. the end of the year. You're listening to this in 2022 in the future. But for now, we're in the past. Ooh. Oh, whoa. Spooky. It's true. Unfortunately, we left Brandon in the past. He's stuck on some of the time streams. He's probably hanging out with the time shark right now. Mm-hmm. So he can't be here for this after party. Oh, yeah. Great. No, he's he's stranded in an undisclosed city in middle America. <laughs> as his flights are canceled. <laughs> Thanks. Airline. Thanks, airline. Thanks See so- if we take your sponsorship dollars. Get that Brandon <laughs> refund money, bitches. Oh, yeah. We were this close to getting sponsored by Richard <laughs> Branson, and this is what Got scuttled it. the whole deal. Yeah. Well, hey, hi, hello, everybody. Welcome to the year. Welcome to the after party. There's so much to talk about, not just episodes 45 and 46 of Join the Party, aka Join Hands uh, 2 and 3, but present party. Hooray! And all of the join the party we did in 2021. Yeah. Quite true. There was a lot. Could you remind us, Eric, what arcs happened in 2021? Yes. So the first episode that came out in 2021 was on January 5th, was the after party for Join the Channel 1 and 2. The first episode came out January 12th, which was Join the Channel 3. That Bones Body. That's where we started. Wow. Damn. And we did all of Join the Channel. Then we did Join the Loop which was right during spring that started April 6th and was May 1st over and over and over again. As we went into July, we did join the paper. Uh, uh, then, we, then join the committee started in late July. That took a while because um, a lot of shit happened. Heisting. And, uh-huh. and, and then uh, Join Hands started November 30th. Wow. We also did Present Party with Connor Franta. We hung out with Three Black Halflings, which was very fun. Uh, we did Slam number three with Brennan Lee Mulligan again. That was it's fun. The third time Brennan has been on the show. Wow. We have done a whole, a whole lot. Damn. And what better way to look back over our year than to begin with this question from C. Mitchell from Insta, who says, what was your favorite moment from Join the Party this year, either from the episodes or something that was cut? And something that came to mind for me was definitely the return of Bones Body. That was the moment for me where the campaign started, you know, kind of heating up. And I was like, oh, shit, you mean there are consequences for things we choose not to pursue? What? What? No. Oh, that's right. When he showed up at the warehouse. Exactly. You, you all decided not to make this a YouTube-centric campaign. Uh-huh. Yes. That was fun. I also want to say something. I think Brandon and I have said this on party planning before, but we've gotten to a point where we don't cut out a lot of stuff unless it's the stuff that's before and after or we're like fucking around with each other as someone's trying to decide what to do. Like, I think the majority of of our bloopers come before we record now, which is also very fun. That's something that Friends of the Table has been doing for a very long time, that, like, before they actually start recording, they just, like, talk for 15 minutes. I feel like we're doing a lot of that as well. So, like, a lot of stuff hasn't been cut as much as I know. I wish there was a secret director's cut of Join the Party (laughs) that exists, but it just doesn't exist. The fuck cut. Deep cut. The, cut. The, the, Julia, the actual podcast is the fuck cut. Yes, no, I know that now. We've moved it over. We've we've transposed the other one. It's like the it's like if the Snyder cut was actually the one released and people were like, <laughs> please edit this. Please make it less time. <laughs> I wish it was less time. I wish you had went over it one more time and cut it down. Do you want a woman to look at this for you, Zack Snyder? 
<laughs> no. Why would he want that? No. <laughs> Julia, what is one of your favorite moments from joining the party this year? Oh, man. I feel like kind of just the introduction of Aunt Min has really put Val in a lot of <laughs> uncomfortable positions, which I personally love. I'm glad that you like that your main character is kind of like a walking, talking pashmina. Yeah. And I'm glad that you enjoy that so much. <laughs> no, like the the whole situation with just Ant-Man in the restaurant the first time, the whole introduction oh, yeah. of the situation with Salamoni and the Il Popo restaurant, that was very intense and delightful for me. And also yeah. the stress of the kind of threatening my mother with Ant-Man was also a very fun time in retrospect, even if it was stressful in the moment. For sure. That whole episode was wonderful because that was when you were trying to get home as fast as possible. Milo was fighting the vape the vape villain. He sure was. And you were also, and then uh, Aggie was running away from getting exploded the yes. entire time. Yeah. yeah. I was very happy with that one. I also want to say that like the first episode that came out in 2021 was episode 21. And wow. we're talking about episodes 45 and 46 wow. right now. So we have truly moved this far. It's funny you said that, and I'm like, oh, that's right. Enmin grew so much over these over these episodes <laughs> and became like, in the way that characters do in comics, become more threatening and less threatening depending on what happens and allying with those things, which mm -hmm. I thought was wonderful. I'm going to go with my two personal favorites were Join the Paper in the first episode of Join the Loop. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of a gimme because introducing a time loop to your players, you know, is kind of beyond exciting. And I mean, the moment where you said it restarts and it's May 1st, like whenever we finish an episode while I'm recording and then you sort of say a final line or you decide that like that's where the episode's going to end, you kind of go like, da, 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 da. like we kind of sing the music a little <laughs> bit. Um, and so when you did that, the three of us were like, fuck you, no, yeah. Ah! I think my favorite part of that specifically was me yelling at you, you lied to me because you told me that a time loop arc would be too much work. Yep. I did lie. I explicitly lied to you. It was I great. I forgot that I did that. It was so funny. That was the best lie you've ever told me. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. I do like, all I like is being yelled at. I think my moment in general, and I think like, we're going to talk about accomplishments later, but I think my that accomplishment in this moment is the Eric what the fucks has yes. been that I've now found the thing it's that I want. It's crystallized. It's become a gem, a pearl. Yeah. And I think it's cliffhangers is the thing that I like doing the most more than anything else. So I think that, that sort of, those moments are, really fuel me. Uh, I also want to say that like, Join the Paper was a real weird thing I wanted to try and I'm very happy with all of the characters that the three of you made and as it fit in with there and our first of many and continuing to be many doing in-world one shots it was just like I kind of took a chance on it and you all you all responded well and like being able to tie that into other things that was going on to make Tegan kind of the main character here the creation of the greatest character of all time rolls gold yep uh <laughs> And uh, our now we all have a petition. It's on change.org. It's Julia's only allowed to <laughs> to play, play bullies. bullies. I've already planned out my first non-bully character for the No! Damn it. I have to stop playing just rich spoiled brats. I'm sorry. But you haven't played any for an extended period of time. Like all of them have been after Val. And yeah. now we need you did three and three straight one shots, but now we need you to, to do it in like a main campaign thing. Yeah. I feel like Moxie isn't a spoiled brat. She's just rich. 
She is yeah. rich and she knows what she wants, which is really, I think, the, the Julia RPing zone that I have come to really enjoy. No, that was one what of the I highlights want. of 2021 for me. Yeah, is is Julia role playing and making us just like laugh, gasp, uh, cry, forget to participate because I feel like I'm watching a movie, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, Eric, you touched on already a question from a cool girl on Insta. Um, what was your favorite Eric What the Fuck moment of the year? And Abby Zamet wanted to add on Insta too. Can we appreciate the amount of suspense we got this year? Time loop, did you fuck my dad? I'll all remember this year started with Bones Body. Look how far we've come. I very appreciate that. I wasn't trying to what the fuck myself. Be like, Eric, what the fuck? Great, no, what I know. the fuck? But I, I feel pretty okay with it. I'm very happy with that. And just... If the juice that I need, that it keeps me going. Some people can challenge other people to fight in Denny's parking lots. I more want you to send me cans of Eric What the Fuck juice that I can drink uh, at any time for my little sissy cup. I mean, of course, another question here where I wasn't sure at first what my answer would be, but now I know. Uh, from Spaceman Name Caps on Insta, if you guys could go back and change one role or outcome in campaign to what would it be? And, you know, it didn't even come to mind for me to change the role where I got immersed in the time water because <laughs> I so enjoyed the experience. I think it gave me more confidence as a role player. And it was so fun to taste a little taste of that what the fuck juice of surprising Brandon and Julia. It was a delicious reveal. Um, and I'm proud of Eric and me for kind of working out how that was going to happen. And just like the look on your and Brandon's faces was absolutely thrilling. I was like, this is how people feel when they do like skydiving. Like this feels amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I loved that. And I loved being a part of that WTF moment. But you know, I as much as I loved the Aggie that we had before and preserver Aggie, I don't think I would change it. I really like playing multi-tool. It's very funny. I think that these two Aggies are very different. Like, like the beginning, Aggie was a lot more sedate and a lot more like, hey, guys, can you stop doing that? I'm going to come over. Just extremely responsible. Yeah, like yes. he's gonna, just going to show up, be responsible, and he's going to go fix your problem for you. And then multi-tool is like, instead of having to put out the fire, it's like, what if I teach you proper fire safety? <laughs> and you never do that. It's very interesting to me seeing where the campaign has gone because we have more of a preventative player instead of a reactive player. Uh, which I think is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Is this uh, mirroring my personal growth at all? Who can say? Who can say? Who knows? Who knows? So for me, I find it difficult to remember which roles kind of happened for me that changed the course of Val and like their whole thing. Because when I kind of like think about the past of the game, I'm like, these are things that happened. Not that yeah. they were determined by dice rolls. They were just determined by choices. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a choice that I would have made differently. I, I like I'm I'm trying to like in my head be like, oh well, you forgot to do this or you should have done that. But and I'm sure there are some. Like I was keeping a document early on of like things as like things to follow up about or things that mm -hmm. you probably yeah. should have done differently. But this time around I, I, I just can't think of anything that I would have changed because everything's led us here. Yeah, I think especially for you, you've had a lot of good luck on very important roles. So it's like, I don't even want to say the other way, because like, honestly, it's the opposite, right? It's like, you've rolled nat 20s and rolled very high on a lot of shit. Like, you rolled a nat 20 on the Sky Tram very recently, grabbing the Sky Tram like your Captain America. Oh, yeah. You rolled incredibly well during the Il Popo thing. Mm -hmm. Remember, like, someone shot an ice beam off and you rolled very high on that to get in, in 
front of that. And saving that kid in the fight that was meant to be for multi-tool. Yes, in the in the trolley problem fight with Emily Slaughter. Yeah. The, you rolled middling, and Emily Slaughter took partial credit for it. But the fact that you did it instead of instead of someone with stretchy powers <laughs> was very, very impressive. Thank you. I do remember... I feel like my worst role in terms of decision making, I guess, was I failed the painting charisma check. Mm -hmm. That's true. Which really gave me a lot to think about in terms of what Val would do in a situation where they are asked to intercede on behalf of the mob. You very much stressed to me in that moment, hey, this is not mind control. Val doesn't have to do anything. So I made a decision in my head like what needs to be asked of Val in order for them to turn. Right. And that never happened, but it very well could have. Yeah. I don't think that Ant-Man could have just said something to straight up Val that would have convinced Val. Yeah. But I do think, I think that was well enough. Here's the thing. Ant-Man doesn't care about what other people feel or think. Yeah. So I think you said that it was like, if you're you're doing it to like protect others and we can protect yeah. people. And Ant Min doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah. If Ant Min though had manipulated Val, then Val <laughs> would have been very interestingly probably part of the mob now. No. Do you know what I just realized? I would like to change every time that Brandon did not hit his wild magic surge to a hit. Because every time it happens, I am fucking delighted. I love it. I love the mechanic. I love when it helps us. I love when it hurts us. Every time he's rolling, I'm praying that it hits a one. Amanda and I are complete opposites on that. Because every time Brandon rolls, I'm like, please, God, please just let Brandon do the magic that he wanted to do. Let's not throw in any weird shit. Yeah, and every time he uses a new spell, I'm just like, okay, Chuck's notes over the shoulder. Like, it's very exciting. I really enjoy it. It's wild. Buck wild. Dungeons and Dragons is really, or fifth edition, you could tell that, like, the people who put it together love magic. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, I love playing glass cannons. I love playing wizards who have five HP and could destroy an entire army. Like, you can definitely tell in the way that the game is structured points toward that. I think we all love martial classes, though. Yeah. So, Which is very funny for us to see. Like, the power of magic is very, very powerful. But I think that's also a superhero thing. Like, you know, when Doctor Strange shows up, you're like, ah, fuck. Uh, my brain is going to get scrambled. Like, <laughs> Dr. Fate is here, and he's going to ruin your shit. No matter how super strong you are, you just can't do anything about that. If you're wondering how Eric and I react when rewatching old Marvel movies, you can tell when Dr. Strange comes on screen, because we're both like, ugh, fast Damn forward. it, man. <laughs> just leave reality the way it is, please. Please, stop doing it. Stop making it all Escher paintings. Jcraffy14 would like to know, Eric, how do you think your DM style has evolved in the last year? I know you mentioned cliffhangers and trying in-canon one-shots and sort of pushing yourself with form. But what else comes to mind, bud? I feel like I'm trying to acquire new skills at all times. It's very funny. I do look at this like some people look at basketball or sports, where it's like, I'm going to try to learn how to do a new thing, and I'm going to do that with my professional job as sports. And I'm trying to apply that to my GMing as much as possible. I think I've really tried to push myself in terms of describing characters and places. So all the new powered folk have been very, like, I've been very intentional about this is what they look like. This is how you can relate to them. This is what they wear. I think a really good way to latch onto that is fashion. And then the join the committee was my massive, massive 
push on this to describe the place where you had the party in the first place. It was very important to me. Something I've also been trying to do is something that I've learned from other games is like trying to set up larger set pieces and then like letting it go. As I've described a lot in Join the Committee and then I've done in Join Hands as, you know, we get into what does the Office of Technology Assessment look like. Figuring out what all of that looks like and I can kind of let that go for like three, four or five sessions has been very good in terms of like what Julia said. You do a thing and then something else happens and then someone else happens. Like everything about role playing games is cause and effect. So it's like once you have everything set up, me as the dungeon master, I can put my hands in the air. And more so than anything else, I think I, me as the DM, want different things than the NPCs that I've played. Des in the time loop, and I think in a lot of the villains, after going after what they actually want as opposed to what you guys want or what I want, I've kind of like really let them go and trying to have them follow their own intentions have been very important to me. I will say the next episode, and it's not really a spoiler because I'm not going to give any details, but you open the next episode with a description of a place that made us go, what, what? What? <laughs> and it was great. It was a, it was an awesome moment. Uh, thank you. I very much appreciate that. I also really liked uh, bringing new game mechanics into this game. So creating Bro You Had to Be There might have been like the peak of my GMing, which so is like fun. creating a storytelling game within our storytelling game to talk about something that you cannot access with the game of Dungeons and Dragons, I think might be the pinnacle of me figuring my whole shit out uh, as a DM. You also used the flashback mechanic, I think this year was a thing that we did. Oh, yes, right. Yes. Yeah, we did. That was fun. And I really liked the Time Shark. Like, really disguising the waters of time as something that's not that big of a deal. Grumble, and grumble, like, grumble, and grumble. Like, you, hey, just make a strength check. It's fine. Grumble, grumble. Don't worry, don't about, worry it. about it. Like, if you get splashed, it's not a big deal. Whatever. Um, I'm sorry that it only happened to Amanda. <laughs> Amanda got the worst of it. But also, like, remember, Thornhill is a ca- is a candy company uh, now. <laughs> that, you know what? That's the one role. Not my personal role, but the one role that I would change is Brandon changing my beautiful car coffee shops into I know. saltwater taffy. Bring back Thornhill. We miss them. Well, what I think is funny is that like we Thornhill was such like a stand-in for Starbucks for me. Like mm-hmm. it is and I've been thinking a lot about Starbucks in the world that is 2021, right? Okay, I'm going to go on a Starbucks tangent for a second. Go. One, fuck the company. I'm so happy there's a union. First of all, the, the unionized Starbucks is incredible. I'm just going to start with that. Pride of New York State. <laughs> Pride Unions. of New York. Unions. <laughs> but I think that Starbucks might be the only company that's actually done like the food thing that does app well because of the new rise on TikTok of getting drink, very specific drinks. So, you know, like, oh, I'm going to tell them to do two pumps of this and thing and swap one in and out. You don't have to try to communicate that to your barista. Yeah, it's and a maybe, nightmare if you're a cashier and somebody has like a five minute long order, but you can Well, they don't know how to interpret or they don't know how to interpret the thing you're saying, which isn't my jargon at work. Now they're actually using the app so they can put in what they want. And they're like, oh, I know exactly what this is. And they get and also Starbucks lets you just kind of sling that shit and put it up out there. Obviously, then it sits and then people get mad and blah, blah, blah. And it's not, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I think it's very interesting how Starbucks has adapted to the digital age. And I think they've done that the best. And that's kind of where I thought Thornhill was going as like a, what is a coffee capital C company? Mm -hmm. But now that doesn't exist anymore. And now we're back to like, 
it's almost it's now Portland esque Stumptown stuff. Mm-hmm. And Stumptown now, of course, is a brand and sells bottled coffee and everything. But like, there's no coffee chain now. It's just like a bunch of individual coffees, which was the whole basis of Coffee Party that uh, the live show we did. Yeah. So I just the, there's a lot of push and pull, and ever any choice anyone does is like, yeah, that's how it is now. I'm fine with that. It's very funny how <laughs> there's like a very famous candy store in in this city. It's I'm just so bitter funny. about it. I'm so bitter about it. Hey, Juice is still there. I know Juice just got torn down, but we've I had like a like a citywide juice company. You can deal with that instead. They really paved juice and put up a parking lot, am I right? <laughs> I also want to give a really quick shout out because we didn't get a chance to talk about it before, but the CEO of Moon juice. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah. Or that sells like moon dust and like oh, all yeah. that beauty that dust. Stuff. And I listen to maintenance like phase. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I learned from a maintenance phase as well. The CEO's name is Amanda Chantal Bacon, which is where I got the name of the CEO for. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's for, very good. For juice. I didn't get a chance to, to touch on that. <laughs> I, if good. I recall, you said that name. I was like, hey, when Val dies, that's my new character. <laughs> <laughs> I changed it a little bit. I think I kept bacon, but yeah. I just I thought it was very funny just this woman's name of a real like goop ass company. Mm-hmm. Oh, incredible. I just wanted to share. Matlina Takanen on Insta would like to know what have you learned about role playing as characters this year? I am really interested in role play. And similarly, Annabelle Fajardo on Insta, did it ever feel like your character had a turning point where they became something different than you intended? And if so, when? How do you feel about it? For me, there's the obvious answer, I would say. But also, I think that the first or the second loop, I guess, or the the first repeating of the time loop, when I called my parents and kind of like had a confrontation with them, Mm. that's not something I planned, but it's something that felt really right for the character. And I think that's the, you know, direction that Aggie Preserver was going in. And so when I had the sort of like soft reset into multi-tool, that felt like a variable I really wanted to kind of push on. And for me, the, you know, seeing, because normally when I design a character from scratch, it's like, okay, well, what, you know, what kind of class do I want to play? Like, what role do I want to have in combat? Like, what powers do I think are fun? Um, And let's build a character based on that but for the first time with multi-tool I got to say all right like I think I know who this person was but like what if her childhood was really different like what this fundamental change of what her power is led to some pretty different ways that her life shook out and that felt very exciting to me like a sort of like a writer discovering a character you know or like following the the thread of where the story wanted to go as opposed to me saying like what's the most kind of comfortable character for me to get to the like role in combat that I want to have that makes sense yeah so listen listen to where the story wants to go. That's my advice. Yeah. I think for Val, in terms of turning point, it wasn't really a turning point, but I think I started the campaign with a certain image of who Val was. And then during Join the Channel, when I had to kind of make that decision about like what would cause Val to turn over to the mob side it kind of crystallized this idea that Val is all about community. And that wasn't something I really initially thought was going to be such a pillar of their character, but now it really does inform a lot of the decisions I make. So like the big siblings, little siblings, big supers, little supers program (laughs) that Val is now a part of or wants to start is very much based off of this idea of like Val really cares about community. Totally. For sure. That does inform a lot of my decision making now as Val. I, I mean, a lot of that shook out when you became like the daredevil of Little Italy yeah. in that way as well, which I think is interesting. And then it became that's why you didn't take your mask off, because it's like, well, I need to be a community pillar. I'm not a person. 
which yeah. I think is is important and, and interesting. Like you have to be an icon, just like you and All Might are the same. <laughs> yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Also, I do want to clarify something. Another huge reason that Val hasn't taken their mask off is because Val has ties to organized crime and wants people to trust them. <laughs> so if they're like, that's hey, true. that's the child of a very famous mobster, I don't think Val would have as much support and be able to support their community <laughs> when people are like, wholesome. hey, that fucking sucks. You seem wholesome, like Milo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, it's still funny. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's so funny. That's really good. Yeah. I will say, too, that I'm curious your thoughts on this, Eric, around all of the NPCs and big bads and people around Lake Town City that you roleplay. But for me, one of the things is kind of like relaxing into knowing that there's no wrong decision for the story or there's no you know decision that will throw your plans off track. I think you've done mm-hmm. a really good job kind of reassuring all of us and creating an environment where we feel free to follow where the story goes, a.k.a. unmasking unplanned in the middle of a press conference at the start of an episode. And I will say Milo unmasking as well was like my I think second or third most shocking moment of uh, of the campaign so far but that has been really exciting for me and when we meet characters with their own agendas like I'm not kind of taking everybody into you know good guy and villain or you know good for me bad for me in my head it's like this is a person with their own agenda like can we work with them or will they not work with us and that makes it really exciting I feel like I'm not trying to sniff out like is this a bad guy or a good guy I'm trying to say like who's this person how might we relate to them and that makes everything feel so like true and real and filled with possibility. Yeah, I think that's something I've been pushing on. The Night of Mirrors has always been like that as existing in this anti-hero, I don't want to work with anyone Mm -hmm. space. But I think like the sommelier has really called a lot of stuff into question. There is a role somewhere in Join the Committee where I think it was Val looking around at what's going on at this party. And when Val saw the sommelier there, who Val had only seen trying to rob a college, (laughs) I was like, yeah, this person has other jobs. They're a freelancer. Like, they're very flexible in terms of their values as long as they're getting paid. And I think we learned that even more so with nay, tough stuff, (laughs) now hard body and the sommelier working together. There's very much this line of like, well, you know, superheroes have jobs. What is good? What is bad? Who is on this on particular line? Eric, I have a question about this year. And it's uh, <laughs> when did you decide to ruin Val's life by including Shannon Redwine in more things? Uh, the All the times that you did something I didn't expect. I'm like, you know, it'd be very funny happening <laughs> right now. As if Shannon Redwine wasn't involved. Yeah, you did stuff where Shannon Redwine would show up more because I hadn't planned for it and I thought it would make sense because you had gotten yourself into into trouble or you would put yourself forward. Then, like, I think Shannon would meet you in a way where she didn't even know that was happening. I feel like the two characters are very, like, are magnetized by being on different poles. And I feel like as Val took steps forward, Shannon took steps forward as well. Shannon, for a very long time, was just your bully who had powers as well. And then she became something else. Uh, She became an influencer and she gave tough stuff. When the whole thing with the time loop happened, that really changed her, uh, which I thought was really interesting. I also want to give a real shake of my fist towards Amanda for telling me she's going to do one thing and then during the game does a totally different thing. Uh, (laughs) With Danny? 
Yeah, like the stuff that happened in the most recent episode with Danny. You did not tell me that was happening. And then you were like, oh, I'm going to do this. Like, that's a great idea. I'm going to come up with all this shit on the fly. I did not have any of this Banksy shit planned. I need to tell you something. (laughs) I was mad about something on the internet. Like, there was something going on on Tabletop RPG Twitter or the world. And I was just like, oh, I could do this better. And then I just fucking went off on the Banksy stuff. So, like, literally all of that was unplanned because Amanda did not tell me. But I think you're making bolder choices. Yeah, Amanda goes, I'm going to steal Brian Roper's credentials. And then 10 yes, minutes later, t- hey, actually, fuck that. Let's go see Danny. Yes, that's 100% what happened. And I'm very happy with the strong choices you're making. You keep me on your toes. You keep bringing your parents in and you don't <laughs> tell me. So, like, your mom has so much depth to her now. I've done so many of those things off the cuff. Uh, listen, I, I'm not, you know, I'm, you're not asking me to apologize. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to instead say, like, thank you for always coming through and, like, making all three of us comfortable with the fact that we can follow a lead, go with an idea, you know, push the story and the character into into new and unexpected directions. Because, you know, we have the confidence that it's not going to break you or the game. And in yeah. fact, it'll probably lead to stuff that all of us, you know, like that's that's where the magic happens. That's where things, you know, come up that none of us could have planned on our own. Yeah, I agree. And of course, the, our patron saint of doing things I'm not, I'm not prepared for. Brandon, yes. not here. But <laughs> can't defend I mean, himself. Like, I've I've really been forged in fire with that. So like anything y'all do, like truly, as long as it works in the story, I am ready for anything you can throw at me. Can we all, while Brandon's not here, reminisce about our favorite Brandon what the fuck moment? Oh God! Oh, definitely. And from this year, let me look at the li- let me look at the episodes. I mean, like unmasking obviously is one of them. Right it's after huge. Aggie, yeah. but also being like, "Hey, my dad is in charge. Yes, he's gonna run for mayor now." He's so funny. Asking if you fucked my dad. I mean, that was great. I loved that. that Legendary stuff. Truly, I think- talking back to Anubis. I yeah. Mean, damn. A little sassy. And Anubis doesn't care. Anubis is also his cat. So it's yeah. great. So he doesn't know like that. I was like, oh, Anubis and Tuna are the same. It's it's totally fine. I mean, going into death to confront Anubis was pretty unexpected. Julie and I did not know that was gonna happen. I will say also, Brandon just letting John Paul go during the oh time my God. loop. And we were just like very Excuse mad me. about that in the moment. Yeah. We're like, what the fuck? Yes. <laughs> I know John Paul was such a, was such a dirt bag. Also, he John so Paul fun. he might have disappeared. He might have disappeared. I think maybe one of my biggest accomplishments is leaving stuff on the table, mm. which I haven't done before. I've tried really hard to incorporate everything, but like there's a bunch of stuff in the time loop that just never got touched, and like I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that really is Brandon making choices that he didn't tell me ahead of time, but was to my benefit, was when he snuck off to the OTA for the first time yes. and joined the loop. Uh, and of course, that is truly the basis of what we're doing in this arc. Yeah. Teasing what the OTA could look like and then going back there and knowing that there's more shit happening. Speaking of Brandon, I think that I've gotten our two-way radio that we carry at all times. Um, that goes to the time, that goes to <laughs> the other uh, <laughs> echelons of time? Yes, and also Middle America. Um, oh, and right. I've, I've gotten a channel, I've gotten a channel open. So uh, let's, let's see, is Brandon available? Brandon, would you, Brandon, come in. Come in, Brandon. Please, please tell us your reflections on the year and uh, anything you want to rebut or add to uh, here with us on the radio, which is, uh, is true and not fictional. Okay, go. Over. <laughs> oh, you guys crack me up. <laughs> oh, my favorite moment from JTP this year. Man, there's just so many of them. 
Uh, I think one that you guys didn't touch on that I loved was uh, Mr. Prince Stripe at the Duck Pond. I'm just really proud of that moment. I think uh, it was some of my better my better D and D'ing. I solved a problem without violence, and that's what we can all hope for in life, you know. I love role playing flatliners in my D and D game. That was super fun. And I think my favorite moment was when I let an adult man make his own decision about leaving a house in which he did not have to stay in because it's not a prison and I'm not his prison guard. And I gave him the option to stay or not stay. And we still had plenty of time to solve the problem afterwards. That was probably my favorite moment was when I made, when I made that decision. If I could go back and change one role or outcome, I don't know that I, okay, here's the real, here's the real thing. I don't remember anything about anything. I even looked through notes. I don't know what I rolled, what I didn't roll. It's all bad. So I don't, (laughs) can I change all of my roles to good? I don't know if that counts. What have you learned about role playing as characters this year? And did it ever feel like your character had a turning point in which they became something different than you intended? And if so, when? And how do you feel about it? That's a great question. My turning point for Milo would be the episode where we had to do like the car and the power lines and the tram and everything for Milo not really being able to do anything and really just messing that up after being so confident and unmasking it. It sort of messed with his psyche and I'm... And I think, you know, trying to live two lives, both masked and unmasked, is is wearing on him a little bit. And fr- he's frustrated that he's not, you know, perfect. He's not a perfect superhero. And he's not a perfect person either. And it's frustrating for him. What if anyone can relate to that out there? And I think I couldn't really say if there's one thing that I really learned as a role player. But I think continually I am learning how to better work within a team and with your DM and how to... Yeah, let my character make their own decisions and not just be my own decisions as a player. Like, let the character make the decisions they would make in the moment, which I think is a difficult thing to do. And I, I think I'd, I'm hopefully getting better and better at it. But uh, it's also really rewarding. So you should you should do that in your home games. Oh, what's that? Oh, my fl- my flight got canceled again. Okay, cool. Um, I'm gonna go sleep in an airport for the next forty six hours, and uh, I hope. Uh, I hope you had fun without me, guys. Oh, maybe I'll make it back one day. Bye. Oh, so illuminating. I'm so glad we got to hear from him. And now, because we're on the radio, we could get it. It's an actual radio, and a radio is a podcast thing. Now for some commercials. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let me let me run back to the kitchen. I'll see if I can stock up on some supplies. Hey, it's Amanda. Now, this is our first episode of the new year, and so you might expect me to talk all about goals and things that you are trying to do in the year or not do. But instead, I just want to make a suggestion, which is um, to try my favorite thing, which is a multiple liquid breakfast, which is where you have a breakfast, but also you have multiple liquids with it. This might be um, iced coffee, hot tea, and water. It might be uh, two kinds of juice and your caffeinated beverage of choice. It might be an alcoholic beverage at a brunch and also coffee and also water. It makes me feel so decadent. And I don't know, it's just there's something about it that feels really celebratory. It feels really brunchy. And I think the idea of treating yourself to a really fancy breakfast, even if it's three kinds of mason jars in front of you as you're eating your eggs and your toast at home, uh, it's really worth it. And so are you. So welcome to the mid roll. I got grapefruit juice. 
Thank you so much, first and foremost, to our patrons, Ben, Caitlin, Yasiri, Courtney, Mother of Beasts, Callie, Kyle, Miranda, Mahay, Elena, Fish Laws. Welcome back, Fish Laws. Not a Goldfish, Eva, and Camille are our newest patrons. And we want to thank all of you so, so much for supporting Join the Party. If you want to be part of the nicest and kindest and most uh, likely to eat dice community on the internet, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash join the party pod. You will get Discord access, party planning episodes, playlists, early episodes. Episodes and a whole lot more. And it's a perfect time to join because change is on the horizon and we're going to need every single person possible to bring it into reality. More to come soon, but first join us at patreon.com slash join the party pod. It's also a great time to check out the other shows that are a part of the Multitude Collective. I think you would really like Head Heart Gut. This is our exclusive members-only podcast for people that are a part of the multi-crew. You can be a part of the engine that keeps Multitude going. If you wish you had more Multitude shows to catch up on or ways to hear us hosts talk about subjects besides the ones that we talk about each week or just talk to each other more, you can hear us do that at our weekly podcast, Head Heart Gut. Every month, we take an iconic set of three items from pop culture or the world we live in and pit them against each other. We have a definitive survey of greatness. We have a judge come in to decidedly decide what is the best fruit, the best movie sequel, the best thing to do at a theme park, and so much more with going on three years of arguments to uncover. So go to multicrew.club to join for as little as five bucks a month and get access to head, heart, gut, plus so much more. That's multicrew.club. We are sponsored this week by Star Tripper. This is the travelogue of former file clerk Festin Pixis as he searches for the zowiest experiences the galaxy has to offer. In the same tradition of classic sci-fi, anime, and Saturday morning cartoons, you can dive into the action with Festin and his onboard assistant proxy as they zoom through an intergalactic death race, battle a mega beetle live on a popular cooking show, navigate their way back from the eerie dunes of the package dimension, chase interdimensional cryptids, and more. And by the way, check out that cryptid episode because Julia's there. Julia's there. It has great sound design, killer music, and a can-do spirit that make the show an instant mood lifter. Season two now is almost complete for you to marathon in its entirety. So listen in your podcast app of choice or go to startripperhq.com. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. This is one of our oldest sponsors, and we are so happy to welcome them back in 2022 because they are a great place to learn new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity. There are so many fascinating classes on Skillshare on topics like uh, animation, storytelling, science fiction and fantasy, crafts and hobbies, and so much more. Whether you are diving deep into a new hobby, learning professional skills, or leveling up your RPG campaign planning, you have to check it out. I even made a course on Skillshare. It's called Podcast Marketing, How to Grow Your Audience with a Marketing Plan, Social Media, and Metadata Tips. So get my class and watch so many more on Skillshare. Go to Skillshare.com slash join the party where you can get a free trial of premium membership. That's Skillshare.com slash join the party. Finally, this podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on the show, and this month we are discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For example, some people think that you need to wait until stuff is kind of unbearable to go to therapy. That is what kept me from going for a long time because I thought, well, if I'm, you know, getting good grades, if I am buying groceries, if I am showing up to work, then surely, you know, it's not bad enough. My pain is not real enough to need outside help. But that isn't true. Therapy is a tool that you can use before things get 
worse and it can help you avoid those lows. Trust me, you deserve to feel better and therapy can be such a useful tool to help you get there. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anybody on camera if you don't want to and no more waiting rooms. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people, myself included, have used BetterHelp online therapy. Once more, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Join the Party listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash join the party. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. And now let's get back to the after party. Well, now that we've checked in with Brandon, stranded, coming home soon, and we've gotten our uh, our refreshed bowls of trail mix and little tiny New Year's appetizers. I mean, little... Uh, and all the things we forgot the... No, I'm, I'm keeping the ball up. It's not ready yet. Oh, all right. Well, we have to make sure that we finish this episode before uh, the ball drops. On the I'm holding board. it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. On my shoulders. Let's get into some questions about the last few episodes of Join the Party. Starting with episode 45, that's Join Hands 2. Mostyn Bopper would like to know if Hank created Clippy. Is Clippy Milo's brother? So here is my headcanon on this, is uh. that uh, Dr. Morrow created Clippy. Dr. Morrow has shared a lot of tech with Hank. Clippy works at the Stewarts, but no actual people work at the Stewarts. So Clippy runs it, but but like there's no employees to root around in different like in the inventory. So Clippy is the only person who works at Stewarts, and that's why it was an OTA safe house and was yeah. Hank's dad cave safe house, which was put together by Dr. Morrow. So no, but Yikes. <laughs> to clarify, not all stewards, just that one particular stewards. That one, that stewards. one. Yeah, like it was a decommissioned stewards or like it's not on the the the, the giant stewards map. That's mm-hmm. just like the one, but it's like the one there. It's like missing the apostrophe. It's <laughs> off-brand stewards. <laughs> Clippy feels like when you are dating someone and you steal a bunch of their clothes and then you break up, but you don't want to get rid of that really comfortable sweater so you keep that forever. That's what happened with Clippy. <laughs> yeah, but it's with tech. Well, but it's with tech creating yeah. a, a holographic person. Yeah, I feel like Milo would roll with the punches on that one. I, I don't think he'd interrogate it too much. He's kind of like, what? I don't know. It's Clippy. It's Clippy. This one is from iHeartBandNerd7 on Insta. Not a question, but I loved hearing how proud Eric is of Amanda in this episode, Hard Eyes. I have loved getting to hear how Amanda's grown in this game over the last few years. Eric, how dare you sneak a compliment into the after party questions? No! Take it out. No. Julia, I cut it. Take, no, it. take it back. I take won't it back. do it. Uh, I deserve it. I refuse. Fuck. Compliments on Amanda's growth before and after the mid-roll. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Let's move on. Episode 46. This is from Farlet 10. Was JH3 secretly a merch teaser episode? Because we did get some great options. Volcani's trans rights, diaphragm serial pins, Okapi anamorph, room with a backpack at all. And Neela also emailed with some excellent merch ideas, including a sweatshirt that says art is good and one that says Eric with a butt. <laughs> I did not know we, this was like, you know, creating an entire cartoon just to justify a new, like, toy line coming out in the 80s. Did not know that's what we were doing, but it's very funny how I want to turn, like, so many things from this episode into action figures. I think that's great. And Sarah Barra is always making um, excellent eye emojis on uh, Twitter anytime somebody requests comics and uh, whatnot. And just, man, Sarah's art is one of the highlights of 2021 for me. 
Oh, absolutely. It's just, it's all so good. Every time there's a new Sarah Barra art I show my husband, I'm like, Jake, look, look. And I'm like, me. let me explain what an Italian emergency is to you first, though. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Was he like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that's what it is. He, he, no, he, he went, Italian emergency. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's when you have to watch Goodfellas, real, <laughs> like right now, or you're going to be very upset. Correct. I also want to say someone tweeted at us and was like, like, is there a comic book coming out of Campaign 2 at any time? And I responded with eye emojis, just because I'm like, that's a great idea. And then everyone was like, eye emojis. I'm like, well, are we going to have to do this now? Like, it, it's, a good, it's a good idea. I like it. We may or may not have some long-requested, let's say, upgrades coming to join the party soon. Both the show and perhaps a physical thing you can take home. So after that, there's a perhaps... whole There's a whole thing about what's happening next with okay, the key, okay. which we talked about with, since we teased it coming up in the end of 2021 uh, mid-roll <laughs> that we did. So we'll talk about that at the end. Don't worry, we'll get there. But I did just want to clarify, again, uh, Eric, I'm sorry I made you make up a Banksy warehouse in New Jersey. Um, uh, it felt great to me. Um, and Mountain Biker 226 wants to know what other 90s toy jingles are on the playlist at Banksy's? Here's the thing, and which is why I like doing this medium. I forget because <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I did. Did I already say Crossfire? Yeah, that was, was the that, one you chose. That was the one. See, it's it, yeah. that one's the one that's stuck in my head. Can I suggest Baby Bottle Pop? Baby I, bottle pop, pop. lick the pop dip and shake it, and lick it again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, probably for skip it. Probably if someone could bop it. Oh, yeah. bop it for sure. Twist if it. someone could make a theme song for Pull putt it. for putt putt goes to the moon, like just take all oh. of the humongous oh. entertainment stuff. Oh, uh, Julia <laughs> just like had a <laughs> distinct flashback there. Julia to was putt the fucking car. I Anyone wa- else play a lot of Go Fish and Sly the Fox? I did that a lot. Sly yes, the Fox. I watched a speed run of Putt Putt Goes to the Zoo, and it was send that incredible. to me immediately. Yeah, yeah, I'll find that video. Like there is a pretty thriving Putt Putt speedrunning community, so Shit. I will pull that together. I'll put it oh. in the episode description. That's amazing. So yeah, I came up with this. So I didn't write down the ones that already existed. So like, if any of those were different than the ones I already said, those. Whatever's nostalgic to your childhood, that's on the playlist. Yeah. yeah. I do appreciate that we are nostalgic for 90s stuff after being inundated with people being nostalgic for 80s stuff. Oh my God, yeah. Like, no, you need to care about the shit I care about now. I don't know about Jan Sports and uh, fucking What's-His-Face movies. I don't know. Okay, (laughs) who's What's-His-Face No, 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 we're not interrogating I want to. Whatever you think it is. The Preface Club guy. Oh, yeah, John Hughes. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I don't care about but that. John Hughes is a very although I love the Breakfast Club and I've probably seen it like fifteen times, John Hughes is very much a what's his face. Yeah, that's fair. He just hangs out in Chicago suburbs. That's it. That's his, that's his whole thing. Instead, we are kids of the 90s who get to be nostalgic about the 90s while uh, collaborating with other new media stars like uh, Connor Franta. So let's talk about Present Party. Yeah. As always, thank you to Hero Forge. Every year I email them and I'm like, Hero Forge, would you like to do more one shots? And they're like, yeah, go for it. So uh, Hero Forge, thank you again for sponsoring (laughs) one shots. We did Slam 3 earlier this year and Present Party was our holiday one shot. I forgot to share the images of the Hero Forge figurines I made of everybody. Oh, that's okay. 
Okay. So I will do it when this episode comes out. I'll share them. Uh, yeah. I'll share them then. Ellen F. Page asked how the collab happened. Uh, basically, someone who helps Connor with PR around his book is someone we know from Greenpoint here, the neighborhood where our studio is. And we have worked together a little bit in the past. So uh, she was like, hey, Connor also loves D&D, enjoying this whole universe of stuff. And so we thought, what a, what a nice guest to have on at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And he was great. It was a delight. It was very fun. Usually when we have to come up with these one shots, I'm like, what is something we haven't done yet? And I'm like, let's just do some teens. Let's just do teens. So yeah. I again, I'm very happy with everyone just going along with the random idea that I have and then that being the basis of the one shot. Tell us all about the origins of presentation. I, I heard some Hanukkah in there. There were a couple Passover elements in there. There was some general solstice stuff. Tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, hey, this is going to surprise you. But even when people create winter holidays in creative areas. Sometimes they just make Christmas. The one that I always say is that Buzz Lightyear Star Command, the cartoon that was based off of Toy Story, that literally had Christmas in it and Santa Claus was in space. It's truly insane. So I'm like, what a strong choice. And then a lot of the times there's like winter holidays, but it's really just Christmas reskinned. Choose whatever you'd like when, you, when you're thinking about that. Uh, so I wanted to do something like that that was more based in just other winter holiday traditions. I really love giving presents away. Present gift giving is my favorite thing about the winter holiday. And I do like the idea of there being like a community aspect. Usually that is signified with lights, both with Christmas lights, Hanukkah candles and Kwanzaa candles. But I wanted to kind of do something else just about that. So I pulled some solstice stuff in there. A lot of the folklore, mythology, and uh, like religious uh, stories of like, Parts of nature being real. I really love the idea of the wind being a real thing um, and that being kind of like we've talked a lot about ice monsters in uh, Lake Town City and in Campaign 2. So that was something I wanted to touch on. And then, of course, like the idea of eating fried foods on Hanukkah is always very important to me. So I wanted to mash all that together to do like a winter holiday that wasn't just Kermbus in so many ways. I loved it. And Farlet 10 would like to know, was Fritz Mondale named after our favorite hockey star, a family member or another famous Frederick? I can tell you, I did it with Brandon. Brandon and I were making his character together, and I sent him a list of vice presidential candidates that didn't become vice presidents. (laughs) (laughs) We just looked through them, and we're like, that guy's racist. We're not doing that. He supported segregation. We're not doing that. And uh, then we decided on Walter Mondale as the inspiration (laughs) of his character. Uh, And Fritz, I think, was one of his nicknames, so that's why we went with that. Oh, my God. You guys. so funny. The basis, what I really loved about that one shot is that something I was pushing on a lot is that, like, your character's personality doesn't have to do anything with your powers, Mm -hmm. which I thought was very important. Although, obviously, being a rich a rich cleric of faith vegan being a spoiled spoiled girl obviously and then being the the, the bully nerd mwah, the best character ever on Joy the party thank the you bully nerd and i love that subclass so much but i think like the fact that fritz was just like a fucking weasel and also had lightning powers was like very my hero academia to me and i very much appreciated that mm-hmm. yeah because you're you know you have a power and you're a person and so those things can be in conflict they can be in in synchronicity or they can just be you know wildly kind of divergent and i think all of those overlaps have real kind of dramatic potential yeah and you can also tell that i have watched breakfast club that many times because of course mr minotaur you mess with the bull you get the horns <laughs> that was the whole base the whole basis of that Boo. Well, I think the audience agrees because Jazio on Insta says more one shots, please. And Late Salmon wants to know, are we going to get more present party slash one shots with the same characters? I know I would love the chance to do more sort of paper, join the paper style stuff. 
Yeah, I, I'm never sure if we want to return to these characters because I always think it's fun that you get there like you can do whatever you want for a little bit of time. Uh, but I do like doing the in-story one-shots and that will definitely be a feature of Join the Party uh, coming in 2022 and beyond. Yeah. Well, what a great time to address something that we definitely wanted to get to. This is from Nettle Springs. Are there already ideas in the works for Campaign 3? And Blake Brinkley 31 says, y'all recently started talking about the end game for the season. So what plans or spoilers could you give us about um, the official January spinoff that is definitely coming? I thought that was very funny. I could not I could not include it. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do we want to say here? I guess there's a lot coming in 2022. We have big plans on for the podcast in general, for the story. We've talked about the end game coming soon. We have ideas for what's going to happen after this. So just keep your eyes peeled. We've been planning on this for months and just like know you're in good hands and come along for the ride, I guess is the best thing to say. But January, but this coming month, we have a, we're doing some very important stuff. We've been getting your texts, guys. We've been getting your letters. We've been getting your phone bank calls. We've been uh, hearing your whispers on the wind. We've been hearing your prayers. And we have been seeing the Change.org petitions. And just know that your your voices are being heard. And, um, you know, the, the big Tuesday is standing up against all the things that you're asking for. Super, super Tuesday. <laughs> big Super Tuesday is standing up strong. But we, uh, we're going to be uh, open-minded here. So um, just just wait on that. Just more to come. I think uh, you can start campaigns that aren't just about tabletop RPGs. Hmm? You can oh. start a campaign of many different types of things. Oh, mm. that's true. Mm. Mm. More to come. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Julia, you want, do you want to do a tease? No. <laughs> no, you don't want to tease? <laughs> no, you guys did a good job. Okay. I have my character for the next season ready. Is that a tease? <laughs> no, that's good. No, I like I mean, that. That's fine, yeah. Yeah, I have some real. We're working out some other childhood shit of mine in uh, in the next campaign. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> let's uh, let's close out with just some fun kind of game character podcasting. You know, us as people questions. This one is from Fa La 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 Lyle in Discord. Um, how do Vulcani and Hitomi walk about Sea Lake Town City without looking like an adorable couple? Do y'all have like a, a impenetrable like three foot barrier between you? <laughs> No, but I do want to say something that got cut was during the like interview with the kids, with the, the college students. Oh, At yeah. one point, Hitomi asked a question, and in character, I just kind of responded, yeah, babe. And, <laughs> and Eric looked at me, he goes, do you actually say that? I'm like, no. He's ah, like, shit, you're right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cute. I like to think that there is a triangle between Val, Vulcani, and Hitomi. Oh, yeah. Someone, <laughs> and someone's Hitomi's calling dating. it out. Yeah, Hitomi's dating both of them at the same time, and that's becoming a real scandal. Mm-hmm. I'm into it. Oh My Mooses on Discord says, very important question. Does Val use their warming powers to toast Pop-Tarts for Hitomi in the mornings? Or, in my mind, keep her coffee warm at all times? Coffee warm at all times. That's something we already discussed in the past couple of episodes, was Val yeah. reheated all of the hot chocolates that oh, yeah. Aggie bought. I don't think that Val is very good at toasting things. I think that there is a level of either warmth or fire, and there's not a lot of in-between. So the first couple of times that they tried, it just was uh, charcoal. (laughs) In my head, there's also like a thing that there's no way that Val's mom let them eat a frozen dinner until they were like 13. Yeah. (laughs) 
Like, Val's mom is like a no way. We're not ordering. Like, the only time we're ordering from a restaurant is when it's my my incredibly close friend. I'm cooking everything. I don't care. Where This is what I'm doing. So I love the idea that, like, maybe Val doesn't know how to properly toast a Pop-Tart. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I think Val probably microwaved them until they were, like, a full adult. Fair. Yeah. It's like, oh, it needs to be warmed all the way through. And then, like, it's, it's way too crispy. On the other hand, for s'mores, that sounds pretty ideal. Mm-hmm. That's true. Lyle would like to know, how's Tegan handling Aggie's parents being in town? Have they met yet? I think Aggie's probably throwing herself on top of that bomb any, every chance she gets and not letting it happen. <laughs> in the like cartoon version of Campaign 2, there's like a whole episode where Tegan is trying to meet Aggie's family. And Aggie uses every single facet of her stretchy powers oh, yeah. to make sure that doesn't happen. Blocking a view, you know, yeah, yeah like like smooshing Tegan out of the way, you know, shoving Quinn up to stick to the ceiling. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Logically. Absolutely. Ralt says, we know Val doesn't know what podcasts are, but what podcasts do other members of the LT3 or LTC people generally listen to? I like the idea of a really cute kind of like call-in show of like some kind of, you know, community like radio or place where like, you know how people do like Instagram takeovers of their city's Instagram account? Yeah. I like that idea of just kind of like interviewing your neighbors or talking about your job or, you know, just a kind of like a, a community call-in type show. I think that would be a really cute podcast. I bet Mona Adil has a great podcast. That's true. Oh, for sure. <laughs> She's on Chapo a bunch. Um, <laughs> I think that there's a lot of Mountain Lobsters sports podcasts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Like local, both local ones and like ones from like SB Nation for sure. Where like, you know, maybe there's a, there's like a whole like Toronto, Buffalo, Mountain Lobsters like contingency oh, of like yeah. that whole area of just, just being able to cover that as like a, like, because of the rivalry between all the, all the teams there. They call it the Niagara Triangle. Nice. I like it. Uh, I think Milo listens to all of the sports science podcast Brandon listens to. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Sarah Barra says, does Danny need more hugs from all his siblings? <laughs> probably. I feel like all your siblings probably need more hugs. Yeah. Yeah. How, how about in terms of my roles? My roles have happened da- with Danny Danny being unable to keep his shit together in front of his siblings. Mm-hmm. That's true. Especially in restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Especially in public. Just tears. And this one I really love. This is from Duran on Discord. Listening to the latest episode of Campaign 2, number 45, I can't help but wonder if there's an alternate timeline where our heroes at the beginning of the story go to Hank and the OTA instead of Dr. Morrow. If they did that, how do you think the story would have turned out? Fascinating. I can imagine a lot more kind of like missions for reasons that no one will share with us because Dr. Morrow definitely, you know, put the LT3 to use for the city ultimately, even if, you know, there was a lot that she, you know, could do or did do or didn't do that might have helped our job. And she, you know, kept a lot of information from us. I think ultimately her heart was in the right place versus, I don't know, government agency has priorities and goals that might not necessarily line up with ours. Well, I remember when we were first kind of making the decision of what kind of campaign we wanted. Eric, you gave us the choice of being like, do you guys want to be a costume superhero team or do you want to be basically like a secret police force? And I think the secret police force would have been more aligned with the like Hank and the OTA, right? Yeah, it would have been more of like an X-Files thing. Yeah. Or I have, as I've been saying, I've played a lot of control lately, (laughs) is that like it would have been more of like a, you know, you would have been like a, not like para- 
natural paranormal thing, but like you would have been like the metahuman strike force on behalf of a shadowy organization, yeah. which would have been a different story. And here are just some fun ones. Alex Beckbeck on Insta wants to know if we have a heist bingo card. Not specifically, but we should. That'd be really fun. I think you have a mental one in your mind. Amanda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've hit a lot of cliches already, which I really, which I'm really appreciative of. No one's been snacking the entire time, though. That's the problem. <laughs> we already have that. That's Sour Anthony. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I've tried as much to put leverage lines into this. At one point, I think Hank said, let's go steal ourselves or something, which was very important for me to say. It made me uh, clap and, and squeal. <laughs> yeah. Treeman975 asks what everyone's preferred kind of soup is. Not our characters, just us, <laughs> which I thought was so charming. I love this question because... Uh, I have a group chat with two of my best friends, and whenever we get soup, we send it to each other, and then we say, soup chats! So this is soup chats on the podcast. Soup chats. Hetty, Nara, we did it. We made it. Soup chats has made it to the podcast. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys a deep personal truth about me, oh, and okay. it's that my ultimate comfort food is Progresso macaroni and bean soup. Oh, yeah. I will buy those cans in bulk. And if I'm ever feeling sad or if it's a bad day outside, that is the food that I eat because it is low effort. I just pour it into a thing and I heat it up and then I eat it. And it I've just been having it since I was like five years old. And it's the greatest thing ever in my mind. Julia, you forget. I spent lots of time at your house growing up. So you I know. know about your bean pantry. I know about your bean closet. You have a bean, you have a bean soup shelf right in your pantry. I do. I do. I'm, I was more telling like the listeners. I know you know that truth. <laughs> Truth about me, the deep well, personal truth, Amanda. I just had that like like full body, you know, like the ghost in my body was kicked out of me, like Doctor Strange showed up um, and uh, transported <laughs> and you back saw my to your bean shelf, <laughs> yeah, your house growing up, and saw and saw the bean soup shelf. Are you saying bean macaroni and beans? Yes, because. You refuse to call it minestrone, or is it just called mac and beans? No, okay, so Progresso labels it as macaroni and bean soup, but the okay. correct name for it is pasta fajoule. Oh, pasta fajoule, yeah. yeah. The reason why I asked is that I have a deep affinity for that soup as well, because we used to go to this, like, Italian restaurant in a strip mall called... Uh, Tuscan oven. Oh, and yeah. every time we would get, I would loved it so much because they would put a piece of focaccia in the pasta fagioli. Oh, yeah. Which is why I loved it. And also, every single time my mom went in there, she would send the soup back because it wasn't hot enough. <laughs> and now I think about all of the waiters that spit in her soup. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. Oh, my goodness. Every single time. Every single time. This got to the point where she walked in and they said, Oh, Mrs. Silver, we'll get that hot, that soup ready for you. We'll get that and hot I'm, soup for you. <laughs> we'll that start heating soup. up the soup. And I'm like, oh my god! So it'll I, that's be ready why I was in 20 wondering. minutes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I was wondering about that. So that's very important. Thank you. Eric and I make a lot of stews at home, like beef stews. We'll do like a chicken thigh stew. I make a lot of vegetarian chili, and I really love butternut squash soup. But also, we never made this before. But I really like a like a baked potato style soup, like mm. a like a potato soup with like like bacon and like stuff in it. I really find very um, hearty and and warm. Sure. I never get the chance to eat it because I I also love um, clam chowder. Mm. I spent a lot of time in Boston. Both mm. my parents went to college in Boston. So anytime we could go to illegal seafood was very important to them. Or like any, or the fish chowder, just like a, you know, white broth, big chunks of whatever type of seafood or fish that they had. I distinctly yeah. remember that. And, you know, I never have it now because it's, it's really difficult to make. It's a we real restaurant a, dish. Yeah. Yeah. But we make a ton of, of stews, which I love. I will also say in the town that Amanda and I grew up in, there was a restaurant called Super Fry. 
Uh, and it was yeah. like all fried foods, but also they would always have like at least 12 different soups on the menu and they were always really good no matter what you got. So I yes, they were. also just have an affinity for soup because of that restaurant. Uh, me as well. I want to give a shout out to Hale and Hardy again. Like again, mm, I know it's soups, a company. I know it's a company, and all companies are bad. And like the whole going out to lunch business in New York City has cratered, obviously, over the last two years. But I distinctly remember when I was at the office job that I met Brandon at. One of my greatest, like, only joys I had was to go to Hale and Hardy, like a few blocks away, get like whatever fucking weird ass soup creation they got, and it would be like a reasonably priced, and I could just feast on it and then take a photo and send it to my friends. So. Shout out to Helen Hardy. Yeah, yeah lentil bro. soup, tomato soup, such good soups. Yeah. Blue Spectre would like to know, for the players, Lucas's Okapi polymorph hit me in the Disney Animal Kingdom feels because I'm visiting there next month. What is your favorite ride at Disneyland slash world? Julia's eyes have never been wider. We will also, feral. I, I will give also Brandon a chance to respond to this yes, as well. Yes, yes. Oh, let me try the radio. Oh, Brandon, 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 come in. Brandon, do you have a favorite ride at, at Disney? What? <laughs> oh, you guys. And just again, you crack me up every time. Oh, it's such a good... Do I have a favorite Disney but Do I ever? Oh, man. The only correct answer to this, and I'm glad I'm going first because I want everyone to know that whatever is said after my answer, just please disregard and know that everyone else's answer is wrong. The only correct answer to this is Epcot's Living Off the Land. Now, if you've never ridden this, this is a ride in which you get into a boat and you go along a river in the behind the scenes of Epcot and they grow food and you get to look at the food and they talk to you about environmentalism and it's wonderful and it's the perfect thing. Now, if you are want to go expert level with Living Off the Land, you can do the behind the keys tour or whatever it's called where you go behind the scenes of, of Living Off the Land and you can see the real, real magic where they do all the science and grow all the things and, and do all the bugs and do all that kind of stuff. It's very cool. Um, and it, bonus, if you're sleepy, you can also just take a nap on that ride. It's it's nice. Other acceptable answers, uh, and if they don't choose any of these, again, they're wrong. Uh, second best ride at Disney World is going to every cart in Disney getting a Mickey bar. Um, you are never allowed. It's a fun game I play with myself, which is every time I see a Mickey bar, I'm, I always have to buy it and eat it. I'm never allowed to not have it. See how long you can last on that one. It's fun. Tower of Terror is another good one. The Buzz Lightyear shooty ride is very fun. There's a trick to that one. Google it and you'll always get the top score. I think those are all the good rides. Jungle Cruise, sometimes, if you get a good person at the helm. All right, now let's hear what these other losers have to say about their bad, uninformed Disney opinions. Oh, phew. I'm so glad the connection held. Oh, God. This is like having to pick children. Why would you do this to me? Um, um, someone else go in the meantime. I remember going to um, Animal Kingdom when I was a kid, and I found it very magical. And going on just the ride that's just like a, you know, like a fake safari it was very fun. But I also hate conflict. And so going on rides like that makes me very happy. But I would say drinking around the world in the Epcot Showcase is my favorite ride at Disney. Because uh, we, we got to do it all together before the pandemic. That was very yeah. fun and very good. I am a sucker for the Jungle Cruise because I think it's uh, a wonderful and I just like people making jokes at me all the time and like the improv aspect. If you've listened to Head, Heart, Gut, I have said yes. that my favorite type of ride at any theme park is a spiel ride, which is basically where they are like doing a little bit of acting and also you're going through a ride. 
I will say when we were in Disney World recently, Smuggler's Run was a lot of fun. It's basically mm. you are piloting the Millennium Falcon and you get yes. to like hit buttons and it actually reacts to the things that you do. So you get like different endings and whatnot. And yeah. I rode that about six times in a row. <laughs> so that was fun. I respect that. Uh, my favorite ride at Disney are the roller coasters at Six Flags. <laughs> You're awful. I know. <laughs> if you like more of, what, of what's happening here, go listen to that hard cut. Become a member of the multi-crew, and then you have our weekly high, high uh, sort of intensity, low stakes debate show. Had her cut. Yeah, we Woo! had an argument over what was the best thing to do at a, at a theme park. And... No one let me say sit on the bench, so I wasn't in that <laughs> one, but it's still really good. That would have been so funny. I will say it is the three of us. It's Eric, myself, and Brandon. So if you want to hear us just like go feral for theme parks, that's the way to go. Yeah, I'm always right. slightly worried when people record head haircut because afterwards there is like a 50-50 chance that somebody will be like, fuck <laughs> Delia Sully wants to know on Instagram how do you decide who to invite onto the show when I've loved every single guest episode and I'm really curious Oh, thank you this one came to us out of the blue and we're like why not Connor does have 8 million Instagram followers why not seems fun gay likes d and I'm into it it seems great but you know it is hard to find space in what we do because like just inserting a guest is difficult and like unlike the people who used to work at College Humor, we don't have like an infinite supply of people who did improv for ten years around. <laughs> um, so it is a lot of like trying to reach out to people who are like us and being able to do it. We got lucky. Uh, you know, Brennan's usually promoting Dimension Twenty, which is why he came on a, a bunch of times, and that's why we got Rick Perry as well. Three Black Halflings; those guys are always around to be down. But it's like it's it's hard. You gotta schedule a lot of time for all of this to fit together. Yeah. Um, and we've been able to figure out like. Being, do we have enough time to put a one shot in a bad in a bad Tuesday? Mm -hmm. Has been really the thing to figure out. But we find it really fun as well, and we are, you know, we listen to your feedback. So when people say like we loved join the paper, we love in universe one shots, that's really useful for us to know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I think our last question as we wrap up, this comes from Michelle Spurgeon, and the question surgeon herself wants to know what is your proudest moment or accomplishment of 2021? I think having a job, making shit online is pretty cool. And I'm proud of myself for for helping other people do that as my job and I'm proud of all of us and and all of you for, you know, getting it done. It it's harder and harder every year as the world and economy consolidates and favors those in power and in institutions and being able to, you know, come to work and make decisions about what's right for us and our audience is pretty incredible. Yeah, I, I would agree with that one. Also, getting engaged. That was We got fun. engaged this year. Oh that was really fun. How are you feeling about that? It's, it's good. The food at our wedding is going to be tight. Want to uh, marry? Yeah. You want, yeah? Yes, oh, I do. Oh, you heard it here first, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I do want to marry. That was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm going to agree with having the job and being able to do creative stuff. And also, this podcast has been very fun and being able to make like all of the stuff that we've been able to sell is game mechanics and stuff like that. No capes. Did Hello we accidentally make a little game press? I think did. we accidentally made a game press. Uh, that was fun <laughs> this year. That oh. was very fun. So I really enjoyed that and the cool cryptic compendium and uh, all the stuff that, you know, it all kind of comes together. But every time that someone says, Eric, what the fuck? My heart grows, grows three sizes. <laughs> Uh, and I need that to sustain it because I need a giant heart to pump all this blood in my body. <laughs> I think I'm proudest of my 
character creation this year, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I think we got a lot of really interesting opportunities to create fun little characters for one-offs and stuff like that. And that is one of my favorite things to do in D&D. And so the fact that I got such great feedback both from the three of you guys and also from the listeners makes me very proud. It's adorable. That's amazing. And I I think for all of us, too, like when we started talking about what happens at the end of campaign two, there was a moment where all of us were like, well, you know, obviously I want to keep doing more and keep making this show, you know, for a long, long time with the three of you. And that that for me was also really exciting, like knowing that, you know, going into campaign two, a lot was changing and we were trying a lot of new stuff. And to know that, you know, the show is, at least for me, the most fun it's ever been to make. I'm the most excited to play I've ever been. And, you know, the most motivated to like do new, cool, interesting stuff and trust too that like you all are listening and excited to hear what's next and you know being surprised and delighted by my collaborators every day and and striving to do the same for you all like that I think is is pretty huge particularly working with your friends in you know going on year four of this podcast it's not an easy thing yeah Yeah. I think knowing that the world of Lake Town City is still something we want to come back to and being able to end the story where it's going to end of the LT3 that has been really nice the end game feels so much less scary because I know we can come back to Lake Town City. It feels very real and I'm very happy with it and there's still other stories to tell. But I think the lt 3 story is kind of as a like 20-somethings coming together, figuring their shit out, and then where do you end up on the other side of that has kind of like is getting somewhere. The Gutenberg arc, the Gutenberg story, <laughs> is finding its its ending point, which I'm very happy with. But, like, the world is still there. Like, I don't think... We're not, like, burning a bridge. I feel like the campaign one, I don't know of anything else I want to say about campaign one. Like, the concentric states, Alonzo and Greg and, and everyone there, I feel like they're good. Like, that story, that book, that book is closed, yeah. But there's still, like, things we can do in LTC, even if we move on. Well, guys, here as we coast into a brand new year, one thing is definitely going to be the same. And it's that we're ending in Spoily Corner. And uh, sometimes the answer to your question is, who can say? So uh, let's get going. Here is from Farlet 10. I know they parted ways with the good doctor, but if any of the heroes checked in on Dez over the last few months, how is he? Is he still on the intermittent fasting kick? Who can say? (laughs) We don't know yet. Oh, that was that moment when you guys kept trying to give Dez food. So good. (laughs) (laughs) A real highlight. Rakiri wants to know, how are Dr. X, Mayor Morrow, and January keeping up? Are they taking time to rest? Are they still cool with the LT3? What's going on with them? Who can say? Who can say? Kez, will Papa Lane and Dr. Morrow ever interact with each other? Will it be painfully awkward? Their relationship and the discomfort everyone experiences whenever it's mentioned is incredible. I hope so, and who can say? I can only imagine because there's nothing the three of you like more is making me have a conversation with myself. It's the we best. Really do. We really do. Steph K, you mentioned Duvin Boosters. Does that mean OK could in theory meet Tuna? If so, how would the interaction go down? It's a great question. Mm-hmm. Who can say? Who can say? Roasted Program wants to know what would happen if pizza interacted with sushi? Well, listen, until timelines cross, which we know canonically in comics, they never do. Who can say? <laughs> <laughs> It's Comics true. nerds, is that is that about right? Did yeah, I get that that's one? Yeah. great. That was great. That was that's perfect. true. Okay. I, listen, an entire multi-kajillion dollar <laughs> franchise is literally hinged on that idea. So, even the bug. Will the characters learn about Preserver? Who can say? Who can say? Ben Hoover, is Emily Slaughter stealing the idea from the LT3 and building a superhero school? I fucking hope not, Ben. Oh no. Who can say? 
And Neela via email, um, someone might have asked this, but don't we remember that Danny made a painting of Preserver and Multitool? When are we going to talk about this? Is that why the arc is called Join Hands? Is it because we teamed up with Hank instead? Also, I want to suggest My Loom as a friend name for Milo, Lou, and Room. My Loom is good. And who can say? Who can who say? Who can say, Neela? Surely none of us forgetting that very important uh, moment. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, we never forget important plot points ever. You know, we don't forget items anymore, but we sure as fuck forget plot points. That's fine. Fine by me. It makes my what the fucks hit harder when you guys forget blah, blah, what's blah. happening. Well, guys, I don't know what this year will bring, but I do know that more Tuesdays than not, you'll see join the party here in your podcast feed. Can I put the ball down? It's pretty heavy. Oh, yes, yeah, throw yes. that down. <laughs> Oh, happy new year! Anderson Cooper, put down the champagne! And, and, and Andy Cohen, what are you doing with that great axe? And Andy goes, already. <laughs> Old Lang Syne. Is that copyrighted? Is that okay? Is that like yeah, how it's happy fine, birthday? Yeah, it's fine. It's in the public okay. domain. Oh, it's public domain now. Disney didn't right. like re up it. No, public like, domain, baby. Okay, Julia, Julia, could you just like just put in some like little, there's nice little like a uh, confetti um, slash firework sound effects. Just, sure. just one of yeah, them. Yeah, make the sound yeah, yeah. of confetti. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just sound design confetti for me. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, um, thank you all so much, Brandon. Uh, welcome home in the future, uh, back from the middle of uh, the country, and uh, everybody. We will see you next time. Later. Bye. May your rolls turn to ever upward.